What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. To my left, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning. So, what is this? This is OP Beats, our beats that was provided to us by this uh, for the segment this time around. So, hey, they send us the beat. They got to go, you know, we got to do what we got to work with. You know what I mean? But you know what? It's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, personal opinions aside, for you. I haven't said a word other than what's this. OPP's <laughs> <laughs> with the beat for this. Folks, this is, we're going into week six. We got a lot to talk about. Week week four was a little bit crazy. It was like a <laughs> something out of Washington, D.C. at this point. It just didn't make any sense. Week five, a little bit back to normalcy, but we had some upsets all over the place. We're going to be talking about whether or not we are buying or selling some of the teams that are making it back to maybe having us questioning our judgment a little bit. We're going to talk about the top 25. Not who's in it, but what should be in it in terms of determining the top 25. And of course, we'll have our big games of the week that we'll be previewing here on the show. The Telling Trap, Unsung, and Best Games of the Weekend. And we'll be talking about where we were over the past weekend and where Emery will be next week. But as always, folks, you can listen to these podcasts anywhere, anytime on SoundCloud and iTunes. Search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Don't forget to go and watch youtube.com slash football game plan for all your football game plan videos and go to footballgameplan.com for all your football game plan content as well as FCS stats where you get all the information on the FCS and what is going on around the country. Uh, before we get into the main part of this uh, broadcast, we do want to uh, also touch on something, a more serious matter that happened uh, during the week, a scary moment uh, in the game between uh, Tennessee State and uh, Vanderbilt, uh, really tough situation for a uh, player on Tennessee State. Uh, Christian Abercrombie was uh, taken off the field with a severe head injury. At the time of this recording, uh, is still in critical condition, so everybody's still hopeful. Um, a lot of players from both sides actually visited him and his family uh, in the hospital after the game on Saturday. So certainly we send our prayers out to him, uh, hopefully, you know, for him to keep fighting on this, uh, to his family and to the entire uh, Tennessee, seat, uh, Tennessee State uh, coaching staff and team. Just just a really unfortunate situation there uh, that nobody ever wants to see happen. And just a reminder that we always need that it's just a game and there are certainly more things that are more important than that. Let's, let's go into the football field, though, Emery. And we were at a couple games this week. You had your, obviously, you were at the couple of PSAC games on the call for those games but in the FCS we were uh we, we both happened to be at the Princeton Columbia game and um Princeton is good <laughs> 45-10 the Tigers stay undefeated defeating Columbia um in Manhattan and I mean we talked about this off the air this was a pure performance from Princeton and it's not because Columbia was bad it's just because Princeton is that good Columbia actually had the best plan to stop Princeton. Yeah. They came in averaging 50 points a game, and the plan is to have your offense have these long, sustained drives, come away with points, and then put them in a situation where they have to maximize the little possessions that they have. The problem is when you try to do that and you don't come away with points or you get stopped, we saw the critical drive, I want to say it was in the uh, late first or early second or what have you, where they was driving once again for a long drive, had a penalty, then had another sack, and yep. then they had to punt. And that was all she wrote because you lost that possession to Princeton, and they went down and scored. But when you look at this game, John Lovett, let, you know, we came into the season knowing about his athletic ability, his ability to run. 
But you talk about a guy that has taken the next step as a passer. Yeah. I think that's huge. And, you know, it's not gone unnoticed by NFL scouts. We were, like I said, we were talking to a couple of scouts, and they were impressed with his passing ability. They compared his game to that of Dak Prescott when he was at Mississippi State when mm. people were having those same questions. Right. Uh, like, man, is he going to be H-back or fullback? And he has this senior season where he went off and that led him to the Senior Bowl where he was the MVP and ultimately where he is now with the Dallas Cowboys. So I kind of like that comparison. I was impressed with Lovett, but, man, they got some speed in the backfield, don't they? They got some real speed. I mean, the, the, all the you know you have all the acclaim goes – to Volker for good reason, incredible running back, but <laughs> the guy underneath him, Edie, I believe his name was Colin Edie. Colin Edie, he better be a track star because if he isn't, the track coach is calling him up like today, and he'd be like, "By the way, what are you doing in the spring?" Because we got a couple spots for you because it, it's a a stable of backs. I mean, we already knew about their wide receivers. Offensively, their O line is incredible to watch. Really physical up front. And you, you mentioned it with Lovett. It, it, you know, he was a little bit inconsistent with the deep ball in this game. But as you, as someone is uh, that has seen him more than once in you, you said that's not always the case. He was great in that against Monmouth. Didn't really have it there, but his decision making was on point. He didn't throw the deep ball unnecessarily, which you see a lot of quarterbacks do. And in a in a year where it's pretty weak in terms of quarterbacks that are draftable, you know, in terms of the NFL draft and that sort of thing in the Senior Bowl. He could definitely get that invite uh, going forward. Let's talk about the other game you were at. Um, I did not make it to the Lafayette Central Connecticut State game. Good game for Lafayette. They finally got off the mat 31-24 over Central Connecticut State. What did you learn in this game about Lafayette and the future of that program? Well, the fact that Lafayette is a well-coached football team. Defensively, I thought they were assignment sound. They were gap sound. Central Connecticut State really had to work hard for all of their points. And on the flip side, you saw guys, unsung heroes, step up and, and make plays for Lafayette. First of all, this was the best game that Sean O'Malley played this season. Mm-hmm. He didn't turn the ball over. He was efficient and effective on third downs, kept extending the drive. We saw the running back, C.J. Emil, who had the game-winning touchdown run. Uh, he was an undersung guy. He had a big punt return or kickoff return. So there was a bunch of, of key plays that were made. I was just impressed with the team defense and Grand Jean, the receiver. It's funny because Grand Jean didn't really – this was his first game playing on the regular offense. Right. He was a special teamer. And, man, every time you look up, he was making a clutch third-down reception. He was making guys miss in the open field. He has the same speed as C.J. Mill and the same shiftiness. So it was like, man, where has this offense been? Sean O'Malley for over 300 yards. Yeah. And they put up 31 points. They drove down the field after it looked like Central Connecticut State was, you know, had tied this game to push it into overtime. They drove down the field late and got the game-winning points. That shows a team that's grown up. And we yeah. saw this defense last year, but we didn't see this offense. Now, if they can put two together – yeah, um, They have a really good thing going moving forward. And I was a big fan of linebacker Jerry Poe, who is their all-everything player. He played a great game. But this is just a complete game from a offense, defense, and special teams effort by Lafayette. So that's what I came away mostly impressed with. A lot of buying in, I think, happening there with a young team finally getting into the system and really you know, knowing the system inside and out. I think that's where that comes from as well. And you talk about a, a, a quarterback in John Lovett that uh, impressed well, Jacob Dolagala, Dolagala, the quarterback of Central Connecticut State, pr- impressed as well, too. This was a player that, you know, 6'6", 235, and 
you watch him in warm-ups, this guy literally has – he looks like Joe Flacco out there as far as, like, right. the size and the, the fact that he can really get the ball wherever he wants to put it on a football field. So I'm excited to watch him moving forward. And I also like the fact that Central Connecticut State's defense, they play great team defense. They are active, aggressive, and mm. it just didn't – it wasn't enough for them on that particular day to get the win. Right, and and do you think Central Connecticut State is in trouble now in the Northeast with how a good year that Bryant's having? Duquesne, Sacred Heart is up there, obviously. How much trouble are they in to retain that crown? Do you think in the NEC at this point? Well, they are in trouble, you know, because the good part is they haven't played a conference game yet. True. The bad part is everyone above them is is really good, and yep. you can see where Central Connecticut State can be really good as well. And we can't ignore St. Francis, also. So these teams, I think, are still in it. They're one game behind in the NEC. Obviously, Central Connecticut State, Duquesne, and St. Francis haven't played a game yet. But, man, it's going to be tough. I think because of how competitive it is this year, it's probably only a one-team bid. So you have to win the conference to get into the playoffs. NEC looking a lot like the Patriot League last year. Exactly. A lot of really good teams, but no one's blowing anybody away. Let's talk about some of the other games that happened this weekend. And we got to start with the Dakota Marker game. Number one, North Dakota State taking on number three, South Dakota State. A really, really good football game. North Dakota State just edges it 21-17 with a late fourth fourth quarter touchdown from none other than Easton Stick. But overall, this was a really sound defensive ball game from both sides, and there's a reason that both of these teams are probably in the, are going to be in the top five for the whole year. Yeah, this was a defensive game, and I was more impressed with South Dakota State's defense. I thought that was yeah. going to be a question coming into this game, but they held their own. They really limited Easton Stick to under 200 yards passing, you yeah. know, which is interesting because this defense I thought was, was a, a liability, but their offense – sputter because they're going up against a great defense in North Dakota State. So everything that happened for North Dakota State, you kind of expected. Right. The unexpected was a defensive effort of, of South Dakota State, which is why I believe the Jackrabbits are still one of the top five teams in the FCS. It was a great defensive game. No one should be a, upset about how this game ended. No, no, absolutely not. And, and you can see that South Dakota State, if they get another shot at North Dakota State in the postseason, they could easily have just won that game this one. You know, they could easily flip that around in the postseason. Let's talk about some of the upsets that happened this past weekend, and there were a few of them. Let's start with another Ivy League side, Yale, taking down number 16, Maine, 35-14, an impressive effort from the Bulldogs. And we, were, we looked at this game last week and said we're going to learn a lot about how good Yale is after a kind of a sputtering start. They stepped up big time against Maine. Definitely wasn't looking forward to, uh, to this outcome. I thought no. Maine's defense would have been great, but our favorite quarterback, Kurt Rawlins, is once again – Balling out of control, and I'm glad we'll get <laughs> this guy 306 yards passing. I'm just impressed at how he's able to rise to the occasion considering the opponent. Yeah, and he, he doesn't yeah. play down to an opponent. He's always playing his A game, but I think it's bigger when they play bigger schools. Shocked that Maine's defense decided not to show up. And what was great about Yale's defense as well, shutting down the Maine rushing attack, which has been a key for them to get wins. They have that two-headed attack. Uh, in the backfield, and when that doesn't get going, they start hitting some problems. And Yale keyed on that and really slowed them down. Another upset, this is one that I didn't expect at all. East Tennessee State gets the win over Chattanooga. Where, I mean, we were talking about Chattanooga all this, again, another telling game that I had from last week. How good really is Chattanooga? They look solid, but East Tennessee State was one of these teams where it's like, 
okay, I, I see where they're coming from. It looks solid, but East Tennessee gets the win 17-14. Chattanooga came on hard in the fourth quarter, but they were shut out for the first three. Think about that. East Tennessee with a solid defensive performance to go along with a decent day on, off, decent day on offense. The only team they lost to this year was Tennessee. Yeah. So when you look at East Tennessee State, you have to start to take them seriously in the SoCon. Yeah. The Bucks are playing great on defense. Their offense is efficient. And you're right, the defense really shut down Chattanooga the entire game. Yeah. And I, I just think this was an impressive performance by head coach Randy Sanders and this East Tennessee State football team. They are a serious player, I believe, in the conference. And this is a program that Again, you don't talk about them as being a normal power player, but when you have an offense like this that, again, it's not blowing anybody away, but it's an offense that you can say, this is going to, you know, one of these, you know, a couple of these things are going to give us problems as a coach. You're looking at the team, it's like, it's not going to be like, ooh, look at this guy. It's, all right, they do this really well. How in the world are we going to stop it because they do it so efficiently? But as you said, defensively, I mean, Chattanooga threw the ball almost, <laughs> Tiano threw the ball 56 times. <laughs> But only and got 272 yards, but only one touchdown. So you can move the ball as much as you want. If you're not putting the ball over the end zone, it doesn't matter. I mean, let's let's be realistic. That was what four point something yards in attempt. Yeah, like throwing like that. throwing the ball. Like so, yeah. that's not really moving the ball. That defense of East Tennessee State was phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about another team uh, on the defensive side, Missouri State. Again, again we. Where another team? Where, where did this come from? And Illinois State, who we have loved this first part of the season, they came to this game ranked number nine in the FCS stats poll. We really liked where they were going, and then they lay an egg against Missouri State. Or is that Missouri State saying we're over here? We'll take that ranking now. Thank you very much. I there, think Missouri State's really, really good. There's a lot of things that I understand in life. One, <laughs> I, I understand, you know, I understand how some people snap at work. I get it. Yeah. You know, I also understand. Why you need, uh, why Domino's Pizza stopped at 30 minutes or free. <laughs> deal. I understand it because having been a pizza man myself or Domino's, I get it. People give you the wrong directions and try to force you to be there at 31 minutes uh, late or at 31 minutes and not 30 minutes. So I get that. <laughs> what I don't understand is how Peyton Huslick can continuously throw multiple interceptions in the game. Yet Missouri State <laughs> comes out on top. I do not. Last week it was four picks. This yeah. week it's two picks. Yeah, and their offense is still putting up points. At, like man, they're winning in <laughs> spite of this dude throwing picks. And and so, <laughs> shout out to their defense because yeah, that's six turnovers in two games, and both have ended up in victories. Yeah, juxtaposed to what we see in the NFL, Matt Ryan has played flawless football for two weeks. Eight touchdown passes. The Falcons have scored over 35 points. Both losses. Yeah. I do not understand how Missouri (laughs) State is winning these games, but credit to them for overcoming adversity, overcoming these interceptions, playing great defense. But my goodness. And shout out to the the, uh, freshman receiver, Demoria Vick. He was one of our spotlight players that we talked about in the preseason as far as a fresh incoming freshman to watch, yeah. leading receiver in this in, in this uh, game, ninety nine yards, and was also one. He's one of the leading receivers on his football team. Also had a couple of carries in that game. And what's interesting about Missouri State, you mentioned no no touchdowns, two interceptions. But if you look at the stat line up until that point, it's not bad. Twenty two of thirty two for two thirty two. But then you're just like, okay, so he obviously threw. What? I'm sorry, two no 
So it's like, at this point, if you're Missouri State, I think they've come up with the formula. Let him get you to at least a certain point and then give the ball to the running back consistently because they had three different running backs who scored a touchdown in this game. So Maybe it's their offensive line, their running game, and their defense. It maybe, has to be. Maybe, I mean, we'll, we'll soon find out as we get into the heart of the schedule here. One more game we want to talk about. We've been singing their praises all year. We said they might be a thorn in the side of the swack. But Prairie View A&M is not just a thorn. They might be a dagger. They beat Grambling 22-16. They're undefeated in the SWAC West. All of a sudden, <laughs> this could be the power team that could be going to the Celebration Bowl. Yeah, we're looking at probably a two-team race in the SWAC now between Alcorn and Prairie View. Mm. It's all purple and gold, right? <laughs> uh, I like it. But when, but when you look at this game against Grambling, this was the hump that they had to get over. Yep. They had to overcome. Grambling always were able to knock them off in the State Fair Classic down at the Cotton Bowl. But this was a game that was unique because now you have the new head coach that was the former OC at Grambling and Eric Dooley. Mm. Ton of playmakers. Great job by Willie Simmons, who's now the head coach at Florida A&M. Left the cupboard stockpile with talent on both sides of the ball. They're finally starting to play defense a little bit better. Their offense has always been what it is. This is a dangerous team moving forward. You're right. And the thing with Purview A&M, they still haven't played at home yet. That's the thing people forget. I think they have six straight road games. Six straight road games to start the year. They are now finally coming back home. They're doing it with a 3-3 and record, top of the SWAC West, and they open their home schedule with Southern. On October the 13th, they have a bye this week. They are going to be fired up for that game at home, finally. As for Grambling, they're in trouble right now. Because not only are they 1-1 one one in the SWAC, they're 1-3 overall. This is a team that, you know, it, you know, you're used to seeing them get at least, you know, be around 500. That's looking like a possibility of ending this season. You know why? Because they don't have offense. Which yeah. is weird to say. Yeah. You know, I know Eric Dooley is a great coach, great X's and O's guys guy but at some point Grambling has to find a way to get into rhythm on offense they've only scored 74 points this season Prairie View has scored 200 yeah so but when you look at the swag and, and you're just looking at the box scores and stuff like that all corn 181 points even Alabama A&M with new head coach Connor Maynard scoring points Arkansas Pine Bluff has 113 points <laughs> Grambling hasn't even scored that much now their defense has been impressive which is has that's been the constant under yes. um, Coach Fobbs, but their offense is the, the big story this year because they can't really find continuity at quarterback. The running game is kind of okay. They don't have the playmakers that they used to have on the outside, so there are some issues there offensively that they got to find out and figure out. You were saying Arkansas Pine with 113 points. They've also allowed 241. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a reason they're <laughs> they're one and four. Focus statistics. <laughs> only focusing on the positive. <laughs> Let's move into our game balls for this week, Emery. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, the quarterback from Towson, Tom Flacco. Who, I mean, we talked about you know Princeton and Lovin and having that dual threat quarterback. Tom Flacco went off in this game 15 of 22 for 253 and two scores passing 15 carries 185 two scores running he was the leader in both passing and rushing for Towson in their game this week had another phenomenal game he's he's making his himself known to the people and the voters for the uh, the award season coming up late in the year that's a good pick right there I'm gonna go with another quarterback in a game that I thought was gonna be upset special I actually picked Stetson to beat San Diego. <laughs> but Anthony Lawrence went 28 of 33, 438 yards, 13 yards in attempt, 
84% completion percentage and four touchdowns as the Toreros routed Stetson 49-10. Anthony Walls, it is, Anthony Lawrence is a player. Yeah. He is a player. And, again, that's another guy in a weak quarterback year. He could get some invites to some all-star games. I'm going to go with another quarterback here, too. Uh, the quarterback from uh, Eastern Illinois, Harry Woodbury, with a great game against Tennessee Tech, 32 of 49 for 339, five touchdowns. Massive win for Eastern Illinois, too. They needed that one in the OVC. Reggie White Jr. of Monmouth had the game-winning touchdown in what was an offensive outburst between (laughs) Monmouth and Wagner, and that was an important game for both teams. That was a must-win game, honestly, for both teams. Yeah. And Reggie White scored on an 80-plus yard touchdown reception. And for, again, a guy that's 6'3", 215 pounds, to be able to catch a short pass and weave his way through traffic – and score. Plus, this is a guy that now is the all-time. I, I want to say he broke a receiving record. I forgot what it was. I don't want to say the wrong one, but broke a receiving record in the process. Right. And so, not only did he break a record, they won the game. So this guy was was huge. 161 yards receiving. And I would also throw out uh, fullback Andre Stoddard of yep. Wofford. 20 carries. 200 yards, 10 yards a carry, two touchdowns, and a big win over Gardner-Webb. And I'm going to give one more collective game ball to the Colgate defense. There you go. Who recorded their second consecutive shutout, and they did it against William & Mary, 23-0. Colgate, folks, is averaging five points a game allowed. That's it. Is that the best defense in D1 right now, do you think? Or is it that is a scary prospect for anybody facing Colgate right now? They were ranked, I think, what, 23 going into this past week? I think they should be in the top 15. They are, in my opinion, a top 10 team. Uh, but wow. you're right. They are phenomenal on defense. Remember last episode we talked about how Colgate is moonlighting as a CAA team. <laughs> well, they well, played a CAA uh, ex- team. Exactly. And so <laughs> this team is legit. I would also give my last game ball collectively. Uh, sticking with the theme here, East Tennessee State's defense mm. forced three f- fumbles. They held Tyrell Price to 33 yards rushing total on the day, 2.4 yards a carry, and a 17-14 win. Excellent. Outstanding ex- uh, game from East Tennessee State. Maybe we'll see them in the rankings in the next couple weeks. We'll find they out. They've earned it. <laughs> they just knocked off a ranked team. You might as well. Let's talk about the top 25 rankings here, too, Emery. And obviously... They're not the be-all and end-all. We've seen that in the past. We've seen great teams who have been ranked who don't even make the postseason. But there seems to be a lot of confusion and a lot of controversy of what should constitute or what does constitute a team being ranked where they are in the top 25, whether it's strength of schedule, actual win-loss record, you know, whatever it happens to be. In your opinion, what, where do you think the line should be drawn of what should be put into the thought process of the top 25 as the season goes along is it is it one thing or another is it a, you know something that the committee right now is missing what do you think well i will say this first your eyes never lie right right so just how we watched princeton go out there and play against columbia we both came to the conclusion that this is a really good team mm-hmm. right it didn't matter if they were playing columbia or if they were playing someone else but the fact of the matter is you saw a team that made few mistakes show great athleticism was dominant in their performance and did what a lot of people expected them to do. It's right. the same way we view North Dakota State. So your eyes will tell you who's a top five team, right? right? And I think a lot of biases go into some rankings mm-hmm. because, like I just said, Colgate is a top ten 
team. Yeah. But they're ranked 23rd. Right. And some people will say, well, they play in a Patriot League. Oh, well, you know, they just, well, we don't really know. But this defense is giving up five points a game. Yeah. That's good no matter what level you play right. or what conference you play in. So I think you have to be able to eliminate bias, number one, which is hard for some people to do. Right. You see it every in every walk of life, let's say in, in the NFL, when, the for instance, and I'm going to use this NFL example to, to justify it, to talk about what I want to talk about in college, but the Cleveland Browns, Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield had four turnovers yesterday. Right, but all you hear now and coming out of you know the beat writers and camp and all all the stuff, all the, the media, he needs help. The offensive line to do this. The receivers <laughs> drop balls. The penalties did to help him out. You win one game in Cleveland, and all of a sudden, nothing is your fault. Uh, yeah, nothing is right. So, but Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser, last year, rookie, who is still a year younger than Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. rookie, had ups and downs as well. Had games we had multiple turnovers. All you heard was. Kaiser can't read defenses. Kaiser is garbage. They need to find a new quarterback. They got to draft one in the draft. This all after like week two. Yeah. But now Baker Mayfield has no weapons. Forget Jarvis Landry. Forget <laughs> Nick Chubb. Forget all these other good players that they <laughs> had when they beat the Jets, right? So it's about how people justify their their take. So you use that analogy to look at the top 25. Let's say a team like South Dakota State who loses to North Dakota State. Yeah. Some people would instantly knock them all the way out the top five. But yeah. if you watched the game, you saw this is still a top five team right. that just lost to the number one team. And so you have to be able to extrapolate the performance from, let's say, the win-loss record. Now, granted, if you are a two-loss team in, in the FCS and two of those losses are in the FCS, yeah. you don't deserve to be in the top ten. Right. If one of those losses is to an FBS team, I get it. You know, you're playing right. above your weight class. That shouldn't weigh heavily. Unless you get blown out. Right. You know, but let's say if you're Tennessee State and you lose a close game to Vanderbilt, to me, that loss probably can earn you some points. Yeah. Or a Kennesaw State losing to Georgia State. You know what I'm saying? So those games like that tend to carry a little bit more weight. But I think the biggest part is about just just taking away the bias of your rankings. You know, stop trying to be regional. Stop trying to be, like, conference-based. Yeah. If a team is good, a team is good. You know, and stop trying to rank teams in preparation for the playoffs. The playoffs are going to take shape regardless. Um, Conference winners go to the the playoffs, number one. Um, And then everything else falls into place. So you don't have to try to boost a a team's ranking up to try to justify putting them in the playoffs. Your eyes will tell you everything. So, again, if if voters can take away biases – both regional, conference base, and and teams that they like, I think you'll start to see a little bit more uh, uniformity across the board as far as these top 25s go. I agree with a lot of what you said. I got a couple things I want to bring up, though. The first thing you said with losing to a close game to an FBS opponent should help you. We already know that the committee doesn't agree with that because we saw what happened with Austin P last year. True. Where they had two tough, tight losses and one blowout loss to FBS schools, and the head of the committee said that that weighed against them. Which again, I think you're right. It should cost more, but as we as we've but seen, but that's probably a bias. Oh, you that's completely a bias. It's completely a bias. The other thing too is we all know that the committee doesn't watch tape. True, the they can't watch everybody. True, but they're not getting anybody like <laughs> like you know all the experts in the draft on ESPN where it's like, oh yeah, well, I've done my scouting. No, 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 no. You've got a team of thirty interns that are doing your scouting for you. They hand you a piece of paper and then you say you did the scouting. Right. 
that's what the NCAA right now does not have for any sport, really, that involves a playoff, including, you know, you know, FBS, FCS, even the men's basketball tournament. It's the same thing. They don't have that. But I think I agree with that. And the, the bias of this, you know, this conference produces national champions, so obviously this conference is better, is not the be-all and end-all. If a, te- if a team like Colgate, with the way they're playing right now, goes on a run and wins a national championship, no one's going to say that the Patriot League is better than the Missouri Valley. You're just not. But neither should it be North Dakota State has won X number of titles, this conference must be better. You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense in that view. So in, in a way, I, and I, I, I was thinking about this last night, and I kind of formulated a way to get that bias out, because I agree, there is a, certainly a bias, is I think the, the portions, that the, the, the stats that they use for deciding the playoff, I think are right. You know, you have your win-loss, your strength of schedule, that sort of thing. You put all those numbers up, you take away the names and logos, and you base it purely on, you know, because if you have a team... If you have two teams that say you have two teams that are identical records, they've got similar strength of schedule, that whole thing, and one of them is from the OVC, and the other one is from the CAA. We know which one they're going to pick. You take away the conference, you take away the name and that decision-making process, and just say statistically and according to the metrics that we use, even though metrics are not to be all end all either, these teams deserve to be in. Then you show the names, and then you decide, okay, where are we going to rank these teams? Because I think that's it. You're right. There is an unfairness in the decision-making process just toward a couple of conferences, and we know which ones those are. We're not even going to mention them. And we talked about this before. We, I mean, we just talked about it earlier. Considering how good some of these teams are in the NEC, yeah, it could be a two-team league as far as playoffs are concerned, but we know only one is going to get in. Yeah. And I think that's the issue because, well, we just can't put two NEC teams in. What about the Missouri Valley? They're a tougher conference. Well, no. What if this team is just better? Yeah. You know, and it's all about any given Saturday, right? Yeah. And so I agree with you. I think when you look at the top 25, a lot goes into it. Obviously, you can't watch all all these teams play. Right. So you're leaning on – you're trusting the eyes and uh, intel of people that are covering these teams intimately. Right. And if they're a little bit too close to, to, the, to the program, you can tell where their alliances are. Right, you know? exactly. And so – I think you have to be unbiased if you're going to put out any ranking, whether that's top 25, power rankings in the NFL, draft prospects. You know, we talk about that a lot. You know, the biases that the FCS faces. Right. Um, So you're right. I'm glad you brought up the Colgate um, example because we've seen Colgate get into the playoffs, go on a run, and win a national championship. So it's not uncommon. I just think that people have to understand you can be a top five team outside of these quote-unquote power FCS conferences. Well, let me, let me bring this up to you now as a potential idea to fix this. Obviously, they have the committee who are experts in the field. Should the people in the media who are not team beat writers but conference beat writers, national beat writers, should they have a voice or at least have input into the decision-making process where they can either, you know, maybe not so much provide a vote in the process of who they think should get in, but provide information to the NCAA that is in an unbiased manner? Do you think that would be an improvement or a help to that process? I think you almost have to be a national writer. National writer instead of conference? Because conference is going to be biased. Right. But if you have one from every conference, then maybe you can... You're still going to be biased. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh, a Missouri Valley uh, beat writer is going to 
side for Missouri Valley teams. A SWAC beat writer is going to side for SWAC teams and, and so on and so forth. I think you have to be a national writer because when you're when you're national, you don't have any uh, allegiance. Right. You don't have any alliances. You see it from a 10,000-foot level. And if you don't see it from a 10,000-foot level, if you view it from a local level, you're going to always be biased in the teams you try to put forth in the playoffs and in the top 25. So, in other words, what we're saying, NCAA, we'll be waiting for your call for uh, me and Emory. My input. calendar is open, so I can help, help <laughs> He's the one with the blue check mark. so go to him first. And if you have the time, I'm just saying my phone number uh, – never mind. Especially, especially <laughs> when you look at – man, I, I wish everyone could watch Princeton play. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. wish everyone could watch Colgate play defense. Yeah. I wish everyone could watch Davidson play offense or run the ball. You know, so yeah. if, you, if you only look at one thing – you're only going to see one thing. And that's the reason why we do the podcast as we do. We know the CAA is good. We right. know the Missouri Valley is good. We also know there's talent in every single conference on every single roster that is going to get ignored. And that's what has to change is that the stigma of only good teams are going to come out of certain conferences or certain programs, that needs to stop. And we've seen it. We're seeing a team like Colgate. We're seeing a team like Prairie View do it this year. We're seeing a team like Missouri State, who's looked pretty impressive so far, that no one thought was going to be anywhere close to this. We saw your favorite team uh, last year get in based off reputation alone in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. And this year, I mean, they're obviously they dealt with some injury problems, but they're making being made to look pedestrian by Elon. That was not supposed to happen either. Or in UMaine, same way. So the stigma of only certain programs or only certain conferences should be why a team gets in needs to stop and the only way to do that is to make it blind it, it should be like you're going through going through a court hearing we got to do what the facts say not with who the person is that's what how it should be done and hopefully it'll come to fruition soon with that said who's your top five my top five at this point and this is top 25 personal not power pole so right top 25 personal for me North Dakota State is obviously still number one. They are undefeated. They're only one of four undefeated teams. And they're the reigning champs. And they're the reigning champs. James Madison, they look, They were struggling to start with. They've looked much better the last couple weeks. I still have them at two. I think Kennesaw is third ranked right now. They look outstanding on both sides of the ball. Eastern Washington is having a bounce-back season in a big, big way. And I still think South Dakota State is in that top five because, oh, they lost the game. Yeah, but when Alabama loses to number four Auburn, they don't drop from 1 to 16. They drop from 1 to 5 at most, maybe even 1 to 3. So anybody saying this big, this loss to North Dakota State, they lost by they lost by 21-17. That's not a big deal. I've still got them at number 5. I will go North Dakota State, 1, JMU, 2, Kennesaw will be 3rd. I would also put uh, at, put at 5, um, uh, South Dakota State, and 4, to me, Based off how they, they play and they look, and you know this is going to be a hot take, <laughs> <laughs> at number four, I'm going to put the Wofford Terriers. Ah, okay. Now, yeah. five and six, or seven, now we can get into like immediate. You it's know, you pretty got tight in there, McNeese, yeah. Colgate, um, you know, those teams to me just seem to be a little bit more stronger than anybody else so those would be some of the teams that i would say would be in my top six even i mean we're gonna talk about this later but the, that right there would be my top five a team like elon 
Jacksonville State is still ranked at number eight somehow. Like <laughs> they beat Austin P this week in a, in a wild game. Um, but uh, I could I could see your argument for Wofford certainly. I mean they had a, a great performance against Gardner Webb, as you mentioned. Stoddard had a, a heck of a game. Ten yards of carry is pretty damn good anywhere you right. want to you want to throw it in there. But a team like Villanova is still kind of sitting out there. They just lost to Stony Brook. So where does Stony Brook end up? Like it the, it's there's a reason they're using the metrics. It's far too complicated. It's far too just, complicated on on its surface. Way too complicated and. It's hurting our brain, so we're going to stop it here, <laughs> folks. We're going to come. We're going to be back with a, a an edition of buy or sell. We'll then get into our telling trap, unsung and best games of the week, and our week six preview. Uh, Emery's got a whole list of games here from across the country that we are going to get to. We're going to figure out who's in, who's out, and is somebody are some teams playing themselves out already. We'll find out on the other side of this break. Again, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. Stay with us. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. CSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. Again, folks, you can listen back to any of our podcasts uh, going back to week one by going to either SoundCloud or iTunes. Search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Don't forget you can follow us as well on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and you can follow Emery at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. And go to YouTube.com slash Football Game Plan for all of your content, for your previews for the FCS, NFL, FBS, and recuffs it all on the YouTube. And follow Craig Haley at Craig Haley. And don't forget to, don't forget to follow our, our, our complaints department at <laughs> Craig Haley on Twitter, as well as FCS Stats, of course, uh, for all of your FCS knowledge. Let's get into the second half of the show here, Emery, and let's talk buy or sell. So we're going to start things off here. We've got a whole list. Are we high on these teams? Are we low on these teams? Are we undecided? Let's start with a team we brought up uh, in the previous segment. Let's start with Colgate. They've had an excellent season to start things off. Their defense might be the best in Division One. never mind FCS. Buying, selling, this should be a simple one. This is a very simple one. I'm definitely buying Colgate. Run game defense. Yeah. That's going to win you a lot of games, right? But when you have run game and great defense, that's going to win you games in the playoffs. Yes. This is a great football team. Colgate played a freshman last year in Grant Brenneman at quarterback. He's an experienced player now. He protects the football. He can run. He can throw. Their offensive line is stout. Their defense, five points a game. How could you not buy Colgate? Absolutely. That's a simple one. What do you got for me? East Tennessee State. Are you buying? Are you selling what we're seeing now with the 4-1 and one bucks? I'm buying it. 
I think East Tennessee State, this is a program that I think has built its way up nicely. We saw some flashes of it last year, not too much, but there were times we were like, okay, there's some there's some stuff developing here. There's some there's some changes going on. But I think what we're seeing with East Tennessee State is a team that's growing in confidence. And it's only getting better week to week. So I think this team I don't know if they're going to win the conference or not, but I think they're going to certainly be good enough for an at-large bid the way they're playing right now. I can see that. that that's fair. I'm buying them, too. Let's let's move on to the next one for you. The Bengals of Idaho State. Now, all the all the hype in the big sky was, <laughs> oh, Idaho's coming back. And the Bengals are saying, we've been here the whole time. You're literally talking in front of our faces, but behind our back continuously. Idaho State, though, have been good this season. Are they good enough? This is funny because you're right. Regarding the Big Sky, all we've heard and talked about preseason and during the season, Eastern Washington, Montana, UC Davis, Montana State, Northern Arizona, Sac State was going to be good. Idaho. Idaho. We talked about Northern Colorado being competitive. We've never mentioned. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Idaho State is sitting there at 3-1 on the season, 2-0 in conference. So I'm still going to wait and see. I have to take away. I, I'm not ready to buy or sell. Mm. I need more information on the Bengals. By the way, their game this past week, you had a, a rarity. You've seen you know, games where a guy leads in passing and rushing. Right. Mitch Geller led the team in passing and receiving. The wide receiver had <laughs> a, the most passing yards. He had 179 passing yards. He also had 56 yards receiving on four receptions. So I don't know how he's throwing the ball to himself or whether this is a glitch in the system, but... I saw this and I'm like, I must investigate this. Well, there's two. I think they're, I think they're related. Are there two of them? Because it's like M. Geller and M. Geller. It, I, anyway, <laughs> either either there's a glitch here or this is the most amazing athlete we've ever seen and never heard of. But Idaho State, I'm selling them right now. Because, again, who have you – my question is who have they played? That's my question. Well, you, you look, could only play on the schedule. Go ahead. Oh, I know. But, I mean, North Dakota, we've seen them be inconsistent. We know Northern Arizona's had their injury issues, even though – this game this week, 56-42, was a wild one. But their other win is against Western State. But I will say this, if they beat Idaho next week, which should be a really interesting game as that rivalry gets renewed, I might be I might be looking into investing a little bit into the Idaho State Bengals. Well, if they beat Idaho, does that really tell you anything? Are you still going to – because is Idaho that team right now in the big sky? Maybe not, but if you, if you put up a solid performance against them, and, and like if – if the record is true, they should beat Idaho handily. If the record is not true, it's going to be either a tight ball game where they lose. So that's why I'm, I'm a little off. On you that. sound like you're on a fence. No, no, no. Right now I'm selling, but <laughs> I, I, I can be persuaded. But let, let's. <laughs> what's the next team you got for me? One of my favorites, the Davidson Wildcats. Oh, Davidson. In the Pioneer. Oh, Davidson. They had a lead against Dayton. They did, and they lost badly. They did beat Valparaiso this week. Which is a, a, a an improving team. And, and This is a game that normally after week two, Davidson loses all their games. Right. That is true. That is very true. And I will say this, Wesley Duggar is going to be an NFL prospect. He's only a sophomore, and he's having another outstanding season. At this point, I'm selling Davidson. Wow. Because, again, 4-1, and one, your first three wins, Brevard College, Guilford, Chowan. I'm sorry, you can't learn a lot from that. Even if you are the Pioneer League, you just can't. And yes, they beat Valparaiso, but Valparaiso's been disappointing. I will say this, though. 
Davidson usually goes one and eleven. True. True. So they like they have four wins. They are freaking out. Right so now. it didn't matter if they were playing, <laughs> you know, Chawan. Uh, they could have played Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They were losing the games, but they are now four and one. And their offense, two hundred thirty-five points. Now, granted, a lot of that came in that that wild ninety-one point uh, <laughs> basketball exactly. Exactly. <laughs> against Guilford, but still, you're selling. I'm selling right now. They're getting into the heart of the schedule now. They got Jacksonville and Moorhead State back-to-back weeks, and their end of the schedule is really tough. Stetson, who's having a good year, San Diego, and Butler. If they if they win six games and have a winning season, is Coach Scott able to coach the year in the FCS? I I think he's definitely in the finalists consideration if he if he's able to pull that off. Let's talk about a team we were both high on at the beginning of the season, and that's the Bryant Bulldogs. Are we still high on them, or is it time to uh, move on to somebody else in in the conference here? I'm still high. I'm buying Bryant. And the reason why I'm buying Bryant because their offense is consistent. Okay. And the Northeast Conference this year looks like the Patriot League of last year. No one is playing defense. <laughs> yeah, so very true. if you have defense in this conference, you're going to have a leg up. But we just saw the team that has the best defense get blown out last week in Sacred Heart. True. Bryant, to me, still has a consistent offense. Tommy Cossigan, uh, the defensive edge rusher, is a really good football player. And so... I think this guy um, is a difference maker. That's going to get – when you can sack the quarterback, that's key, especially in this day and age. And when you're having an offense that's starting to hit its stride as they go into conference play, I'm buying the Bryant Bulldogs. Okay. I would agree with you there. I think Bryant – I've had my my faith shaken a little bit with them, but I still – I think they have the confidence still to go on and – make a difference there when we talk about teams and conferences let's say we just talked about the big sky right right we talked about all the teams that we mentioned preseason and during the season the same goes for the pioneer league we talked about san diego we talked about dayton we talked about uh butler we hadn't talked about drake mm-hmm. the bulldogs right now are two and one one and only conference great quarterback in grant kramer you talk about an NFL prospect. True. They have one in Kramer. Are you buying the Drake Bulldogs? I am buying, and it's not just because of Kramer, because their defense is solid. Now, they got blown up by Montana, but it's Montana. But they just held Jacksonville to nine points while putting up 41 of their own. This is a team that's in the top 10 in rushing yards and passing yards allowed, only allowing 23 points per game. That is still solid at this level. At this point, I'm buying them. In two weeks, I might be selling them faster than, than you can say Butler because that's who they got next. And then they follow that up with Stetson, who's having a solid year. And then they have the Dayton game. So at this point for me, I am buying Drake, but I'm, I'm, cautious, I'm only cautiously optimistic. You're only buying one share of Drake? I'm only buy, I'm buying one share of Drake <laughs> at a low price. I'm hoping for it to go off, and if it doesn't, meh, whatever. Let's go on to another team that, again, shockingly – pops out of nowhere Missouri State are these games just aberrations is there something bigger happening right now with the Bears what's going on with 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 Missouri State here this would be probably the biggest time to sell (laughs) however there's confidence is a a fragile thing in football and if you have it it can carry you a long way along with momentum true these dudes have won three straight games yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> despite all the turnovers, despite all of the miscues that they've done offensively, they've been really good. Yeah. And yeah. defensively, you got to give them credit. Yeah, and a conference like this, too, where they're playing Northern Arizona. They held Northern Arizona to eight points. And they really shut down Illinois State's offense. I'm buying the Missouri State Bears. <laughs> You've lost your mind. I'm, uh, You've I, lost I have your to mind. buy them. They have proven over the course of three <laughs> weeks that this team, in spite of their turnovers and how it doesn't make sense on paper, uh, they are really good. I'm buying the Bears. All right, all right. Let, let's let's move on from there. Go down to Nashville, and not Vanderbilt, but Tennessee State. Close loss to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now this team had two games canceled, mm. so they could easily be what four and one right now. Four and one, but they're two and one, and that one loss is a close loss to Vanderbilt, and they're going in, into the OVC, and an OVC that's still up for grabs. Are you buying or selling the Tennessee State Tigers? At this point, I am selling only because of what you mentioned, two games that have been postponed. I haven't seen enough of them. Now, their only game, in they beat Bethune-Cookman in week one. That's a, that's a quality win. Quality win. Their only game in conference, though, was Illinois State, and they won 41-40. If you're allowing 40 points to Illinois State. Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois, excuse me. They had to come back in that game, too. Oh, I know they had to come back in that game, and they probably should have beaten Vanderbilt, but again... I want to see a little bit more. That's the only reason I'm selling on them right now. It's not because they're a bad football team. It's because I need to see more out of them. Let's go back and let's actually let's stick in the OVC. The perennial powerhouse, Jacksonville State. They're 3-1. and one, They're 2-0 and oh in conference play. Are you buying or selling the Gamecocks? I'm buying the Gamecocks. John Gross, great coach. Jacksonville State finally overcame their discipline issues and, and yes. penalties and uh, turnovers. And over the course of the last month, they've been playing good football. Yeah. And they're hitting their stride at the right time. They're going to be, once again, the serious player in the OVC. So definitely buying the Gamecocks. And Zarek Cooper is having himself a very, very nice season. Their offense is putting up some very, very big numbers right now. Let's go into the SoCon. I'm sorry, the Big South. Big South. Campbell. The Campbells right now haven't played anyone in conference. They're 4-1 overall. Mike Minter played for the best college football team in football history, the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Still, still, still on that. Still on that. I'm still angry about that. <laughs> I can't wait to ask him about that personally in an interview. Campbell, first year in the Big South, first year of scholarship football, or well, second year technically, but first year they're actually able to use their scholarship players. Are you buying the Camels in the Big South? I am buying. I am buying, and it's a lot of you know, I was unsure going for the first four weeks. What they did against North Alabama this past week? Oh, they're an independent. Have you seen what North Alabama's done to start this season off? To beat that team thirty to seven, you have a lot of talent, and we, this is a conference that again Kennesaw's at the top. The rest of it is kind of a mishmash. Monmouth defense does not look that good. Gardner Webb is not a great side this year. Presbyterian the same way. Charleston Southern you can is beatable. I think Campbell could easily, at this point, finish second in the Big South when all's said and done. I'm buying Campbell as well. I, you know, having seen these guys up close against Georgetown and seeing just the, the team speed and team athleticism and team size along the line of scrimmage, they are built as their conference's name. They are big on both sides of the ball. They definitely are. They are going to be good, and I'm buying them as well. They're going to make things very interesting uh, come playoff time if they continue to, to move forward in this direction. Let's move to the big conferences now, and let's talk about 
Stony Brook. Last year's kind of surprise team in the CAA, Joe Carbone went from, why is he out there, to, wow, where did this come from? They've won four, they lost to Air Force in week one. They've then won four consecutive games, including games over Richmond and Villanova. Not to mention Bryant. Are you buying Stony Brook? Definitely buying Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. Last year at this time, I probably would have been selling all my shares because I didn't believe in Joe Carbone, waiting for him to fall flat on his face. But he stayed consistent all throughout the season. And quietly, he's putting together back-to-back great seasons. Yeah. So credit to him for improving and becoming an asset and not a liability. But what makes Stony Brook so good is the same things that make Colgate really good. Great offensive line play, great defensive play. They can run the ball on anybody. They won four straight games. They're good in conference, good out of conference. Their defense is excellent. They are a serious challenge to the top in this league, I believe. I would agree with that. I think Stony Brook is going to be right there again this season, and they're probably going to get an at-large bid. Talk about the MEAC. You talk about A&T losing in the shakeup in that conference, right? Mm-hmm. And so A&T is 4-1. Uh, you still have teams that are hovering around that, you know, the winning record uh, mark. One team in particular, Norfolk State, 3-1 and one on the season. One is a two straight. They're 2-0 and in conference. Looking at this conference, now it's up for grabs. Are you buying the Spartans? I'm going to get some hate mail for this one. I'm selling them for now. Oh? Because, and only because of, yes, they're 2-0 in conference, but they've also beaten two teams that are winless. So that's, again, is that supposed to impress me? Two wins against winless opponents? Now, they destroyed Delaware State this past week, but they only slipped past South Carolina State. We don't know how the game would have ended up with JMU because they only played a half. South Carolina State gave A&T problems in the half. They did, but then A&T figured out, oh, this is an easy win. Boom, and they went right through. The game this week is going to be a massive one, and I'm not going to say what that is because we're about to get to the other team who is 2-0 in the conference, and this is the one for you, the Rattlers of Florida A&M. Now, this is, a, again, this is a team we talked about. They had a lot of talent from last year. We knew that what they had in stock. Not only are they 2-0 in the conference, they're 3-2 and overall. Their only losses come in Detroit, and then they lost a weird one to Jackson State. That was a bad loss. That was a bad loss. But are you buying or selling the Rattlers? Because of that bad loss, I'm selling the Rattlers. Ooh. And granted, it's not because the way they lost to Jackson State, because it was a coaching issue there, so it was Mm -hmm. just a a mix-up. It's Mm -hmm. an aberration. They are a good team. They're talented. But they're inconsistent. I don't know which Florida A&M team is going to show up. So, like you said, Mm. this week's game – is telling. This should be your telling game of the week. Norfolk State versus FAMU. I'm selling FAMU right now because I don't know which FAMU team I'm going to get. Can you at least give me a spoiler alert on that one? Jeez. But uh, but has to be. Here's the thing, though. I'm buying them because is it an aberration? Yes. How do you recover? They've gone from that loss to Jackson State. They've won 31-13 over Savannah State, but then 55-14 over Central. That is why I'm buying that was a That was a big-time win against uh, North Carolina Central. Last two teams, who do you got for me? Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. So we talk about Sam Houston State all the time and yeah. how their offense is going to get into gear mm-hmm. and how Mike Dare was the, the, the issue as far as those turnovers are concerned. Now, he's not Peyton Houston. They can't overcome his turnovers and win like Missouri State can. Right. But this week they got great play from the new starting quarterback. They won the game. Mm-hmm. And 
when you look at this team now, okay, they're two and two on the season. They got that win, so they're back to five hundred. Have seven games left. Mm. Are you buying Sam Houston State? I'm selling them. At this point, I'm selling them, and the main reason is that did I want to see a? I want to see what this quarterback can do now with a new quarterback in place. But the other thing, I've got a lot of red flags from them on defense, and we saw that against Central Arkansas. Did they win the game in overtime? Yes. They allowed 14 points in the fourth quarter when they had the game pretty well in hand. They looked really good up until halftime, real good in the third quarter, and then they just said, eh, we got this game won. We don't need to play anymore, and Central Arkansas came back and nearly took the whole thing. There's too many red flags for me. Again, if that offense can really get into gear with a new quarterback and start putting up 45, 50 points a game, Okay, maybe, but the defense is still a big red flag for me. That's why I'm selling. Keep an eye on Incarnate Word. Quietly. Very quietly. The 2-2 two and two conference, 2-0 two, uh, two and and conference, 2-2 two and two overall. Incarnate Word is spreading the gospel everywhere they're yeah, going at this point. Are. One last team here. We're going to go out to the Big West before we get into our games. Big Sky. Big West used to be uh, where the Raging Cajuns used to play. Um, they still have the Big West basketball conference, but they don't have the Big West football conference. Right. Big Sky conference. <laughs> the Weber State Wildcats. Again... <laughs> kind of now the forgotten team in this year's Big Sky because you've got all these other teams that are flying around them, but Weber State is just going about their business. Yeah, but they're a top 25 team, they're right? top 25 team, but they're just going, eh, okay, you want to talk about Eastern Washington? That's cool. We, we play them on October 13th. You'll see. Are you buying or selling Weber? When I talked about the Patriot League, when I talked about mm-hmm. the NEC, mm-hmm. he who has defense has a chance. <laughs> Weber State has the best defense in the Big Sky Conference. Absolutely, I'm buying Weber State. I was concerned about this team coming into the season because of what they lost in Andrew Vala, the tight end, lose yep. the quarterback. Had some serious questions, but they've been consistent. They've been, uh, they hadn't missed a beat. They've been winning very good games, and they have defense. And mm. again, in the Big Sky, if you have defense, you're going to have a shot. They have a shot. They're undefeated in the conference. I am buying Weber State. All right. I, I agree with you there. I think I think that game in a couple weeks, though, against Eastern Washington, that could be a massive one deciding who wins the conference there out west. Let's get into the games for this week in week six. Let's start with my telling games here. I've got I had a few to choose from here. Norfolk State out Florida A&M is it definitely one on my radar. Missouri State at South Dakota is going to be an interesting one. But the most telling game for me Bryant at Duquesne. Now, again, we talk about you know, the Northeast Conference, and there's a lot of talk about Sacred Heart. There's a lot of talk about St. Francis. Central Connecticut State looks like they're having a down year. We're going to figure out who the main contender with Sacred Heart is, because Sacred Heart right now is the class of this conference at this point. We're going to figure out which team, who right now are both running negative in terms of their point differential, is going to be the real contender for Sacred Heart and St. Francis going forward in this contest. How did they lose <laughs> to Penn last week? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I wish I could tell you. But um, but that's a that's a good pick, though, because yeah. we learn a lot about Duquesne and Bryant, uh, both teams, really, and most, yeah. mostly Bryant. Yeah, and well, and Duquesne, too. They, their wins are not exactly – they beat Lockhaven, but their wins over Valpo and Dayton, not – not really uh, explosive, so we'll see if they're actually for real or not. My trap game, I only have one of these. Jacksonville State traveling to Eastern Kentucky. 
is going to be an interesting game for the Gamecocks if they decide, oh, well, let's just shut off because we know what Eastern Kentucky is is capable of. They've been, you know, the Colonels are they're two and two. You know, maybe they maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But Jacksonville State is going to be coming into this game real cocky, I think. And I think if they do, that's going to be a big, big problem for them in that game. So the Gamecocks are going to come in cocky. I see what you did there, but not intentional. Talked, <laughs> we <laughs> talked about. Eastern Kentucky a lot. Well, I talked about Eastern Kentucky a lot coming into the season as a team to watch in the in the conference. They're going to be good. Mm-hmm. This is this is a big game for them. This, this is their test. Yeah, this is it. This is this was Austin P last year, really. Bingo. So we'll see what Eastern Kentucky to do. The unsung games of the week. I've got three games on here. It's got Butler at Drake again. Really good game in the Pioneer League. Lehigh at Princeton, which is a game that could end up 65-64. In overtime. <laughs> right. But my unsung game of the week is Stony Brook at Towson. Because, again, we talked about Joe Carbone kind of being the recovery story. He had a rough first two years as a starter. Looks real good last year. It looks like he's doing real well again. But Towson has, eas- you could easily argue, the best player in the FCS in Tom Flacco. So it's going to be a real interesting quarterback duel between those two. A big game in the CAA where, again, it's wide open underneath JMU, who now have shown up again. Those at-large bids are going to be, you could easily say, two, three, four, maybe even five in the CAA final standings might get into the postseason. This is a big game for that. I, I thought you'd have gone with another CAA game as an unsung game uh, in Villanova and Maine because, to me, that could probably be an elimination game. I, I almost put that as a telling game, honestly. Yeah. Because with Maine losing this past week to Yale. I mean, think about uh, this. We went from... Early in the season, talking about Villanova and how dominant they were up front on both sides of the line of scrimmage and beating yep. Temple. Same with Maine and picking them to beat Central Michigan. To now they both are coming off losses. Yeah. And it's like, geez, how much – these two teams are not supposed to lose like this. No. But your game, Stony Brook and Towson, is great because you have similar quarterbacks, similar running games, similar uh, line of scrimmage play. Similar opportunistic defenses on the back end. This is going to be a great game. And let's go. I've got three real good games to watch on the weekend. The Villanova main game is on there. Elon versus JMU. Another good one. Another good one. Now we'll really see how good Elon is after their win this week. But the one I'm watching is actually in the SoCon. Wofford at Chattanooga. Because, again, you said styles make fights. Wofford, run, 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 run. Chattanooga is going to be throwing all day. The question is, can Chattanooga get points every single possession and keep get the ball back from that Wofford defense? I think this is going to be a really intriguing game to watch. It's going to be a real fun one. You think Chattanooga overlooked East Tennessee State? I'm I have a feeling the like the way, but again, every game that Chattanooga's been in this year has been close. True. They won by they beat the Citadel by one, UT Martin by ten, Samford by seven. The only team they really blew out was Tennessee Tech. If they want a chance to go to the postseason, this is almost a must-win for them, but I think they have the opportunity to do it. Well, at least they played an option team already, so they kind of are familiar with. Exactly. So I could see this game being very telling, very intriguing. Good picks. So it's going to be interesting. Let's get into some of the games that you picked in here, and let's start with that game we've mentioned a couple times, Villanova at Maine. As you said, could be an elimination game in the CAA. And you don't want it to be this crucial at this part of the season in Week 6, I believe, so... But it's a big game. Both teams are coming yeah. off losses, bad losses. Both teams got to find a way to get back on a winning track. And 
what a better way to do so than in conference against a team that is just as physical as you? This is going to be one of those heavyweight fight type games. Which team has more to lose if they? Which team is like it has the least chance of coming back if they lose this game? I don't want to say least chance of coming back, but I would say the worst chance of helping out their case as far as the committee is concerned. That would be Maine because they don't have the name power. True. Villanova could finish seven and five, and they are, they are still Villanova in the eyes of the committee. We just talked about biases, right? True. Even though Maine may be the better team, Villanova has the name, and they'll put Villanova in over Maine. Maine has to win this game. But Villanova is also zero two in conference play. That's shocking to me. And Maine is one to zero, and their losses for Villanova are Towson and Stony Brook. Those aren't exactly the name programs in the CAA. Just saying. Let's move on to an in-state game. Western Illinois at Illinois State. Redbirds coming off an upset loss to, Mo- to Missouri State. I still can't believe Missouri State is the winner Shout of the game. Shout out to the Bears for winning three straight games. <laughs> so, Western Illinois at Illinois State. What are we going to learn in this ballgame? The same things I've said for Villanova and Maine. I'm going to make the same case for Western Illinois and Illinois State. Mm-hmm. It's, a mu- it's a major win, must win for Western Illinois. Illinois State still has some wiggle room. Yeah, they could lose a game or two, but Western Illinois has has a bad loss already on the season. They gotta they gotta win this game, and they are one and zero in conference. So a loss in conference with that way they started, right? So I, I would say this is a, a huge game for both, a must win game. But if you're Illinois State, you gotta find a way to bounce back. You gotta erase what happened last week. So this game, and it's sad to say this. You have to blow out Western Illinois yeah. to get people to forget about the Missouri State loss unless the Bears go on to continue to win <laughs> and, and make the playoffs. But Western Illinois, it's a must-win for them because, again, they already have a bad loss on the season. Back into the CAA and talk about teams desperate for wins. Delaware at Richmond. Richmond got blown apart this past week. Delaware, a lot of people thought, okay, this could be the year they bounce back. They've been mediocre at best. Pretty good defense, but the offense is just, eh. So... I mean, this, I think, legitimately is an elimination game, especially for Richmond, who are already 0-2 in conference. Talk about defenses having to, uh, you know, both offenses are the same. Both, yeah. both offenses are struggling. Both defenses are playing well enough to where they can win. I, I worry about Richmond's offense, more mm-hmm. in particular their offensive line, which then affects their run game, their passing right. game. You know, so this is going to be a huge game. You're right. It's a basically a must-win for for Richmond more so than Delaware, but both teams really need to impress in this game because both have really sputtered this season despite all the preseason hype coming into the year. Interesting uh, game in the Northeast coming up this week. Penn visits Sacred Heart. Now, Penn coming off a, a shocking win this past week. A lot of thought people thought they were going to have a down year. But Sacred Heart has been the team that's just been, just again, very quietly been dominant. How do you see this game going? Yeah, and I made the mistake in saying how did they lose that game to Penn, but I was talking about this week's game. Last week they lost to Cornell. Right. And who ran the ball all over Sacred Heart. Yeah. So that was the ugly loss I was right. talking about. And and Kevin Duke had, what, three turnovers in that ball game? Yeah. Um, so that's the loss I was talking about. But th- that makes this game against Penn ever so more important. And Penn is a real good team in the Ivy League this year. They have to win this game because unless Cornell goes on to on a run and becomes a threat in the Ivy League this year, yeah, no. that's that's a bad loss, right? <laughs> that's a bad loss. So Sacred Heart has to be sure to to come out and, and protect the ball, stop uh, tighten up on defense, and really put Penn away. 
And they better not let one loss become two because after Penn, they got Dartmouth. And we know what the Green Wave defense can do. So Fraudulent slip there with Green Wave defense. You mean Big Green. But Green big Wave green, because Tulane. Tulane, yeah, Buddy Tevens used to coach at Tulane. So Boom. There we go. There you go. Say The thanks. Buddy system. Thanks for the save. Let's move into the MEAC now. Howard versus North Carolina Central. Talk about a telling game. Central has looked just dazed and confused all season long. Howard, though, has shown some flashes of some brilliance. How is this game going to play out? I was blown away at the way Central lost that game last week. Central is usually one of the better defenses in the MEAC. Yeah. Got the doors blown off of them. Howard won an in conference, and we know Howard's defense is questionable at best. And True. so offensively, if you're Kale and Newton and company and Kyle Anthony, the receiver, you're looking at this game and like, man, we're going to put up a bunch of points. Oh, yeah. So it's important for Central's defense to show up, but it's also important for Howard's offense to, you know, not get get ahead of themselves and thinking, okay, we're going to come in and put up a lot of points. They can't turn the ball over. They have to be efficient. This is a big game because Howard still wants to keep pace and put themselves in position to get to the Celebration Bowl. Exactly. And you talk about Howard being kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. They barely lose to Ohio. They beat Bethune-Cookman, but then they get blown up by Kent State. So which team is going to show up in that game? Going to the Big South. Now, there's no way Kennesaw is losing to Presbyterian of all teams. I know the Blue Hose are the fly in the ointment team, but come on. No. Well, you just said it. They're the fly in the no. ointment team. You can't no, count. No, no. Never count out the Blue Hose. But <laughs> it's not happening. This is a game where uh, you want to see the you want to see the mental toughness of a Kennesaw State. On paper, they are supposed to beat Presbyterian. In practice, on the field. You can see a team kind of using this as a trap game where you can see a team sleepwalking through the first quarter and a half Maybe, and, yeah. and find themselves in a dogfight. So I want to see how Kennesaw State comes out and attacks this game. If they treat this game like they're playing Georgia State, if they treat this game like they're playing Sanford in the playoffs, they have to treat this game like that. Otherwise, yeah. this could get uncomfortable. And once it gets uncomfortable, anything could happen. Also, shout-out to Chandler Burks, who after the game this past week became only the second player in Big South history with 2,000 rushing yards and 3,000 passing yards for a career. So shout-out to Chandler Burks for that achievement. Harvard at Cornell. Again, you mentioned Cornell. If Cornell goes on a run, we should all buy lottery tickets because the world is ending. It's gone upside down. But Harvard has looked, again, quite amazingly, quietly Harvard has looked very good in the Ivy this year. But... Could this be a hiccup for them? If if Cornell wins, is it a hiccup? Because they just blew out Sacred Heart. Oh, it's a hiccup. <laughs> it's a hiccup. Cornell's running game, to me, has been the story so far this season. They're running the football on everybody, which speaks to the fact that they have an offensive line. Which, True. running the football like that also helps out their defense. So, if they can stick to the formula, we talked about this earlier, run game and defense with Colgate, that helps you out. Maybe it's something in the Warden of the Hamilton, Ithaca area that has these teams playing great <laughs> defense and running the football like crazy. Well, remember, I, I believe Harvard has uh, some beef on the on the line as well on both sides of the ball. So well, yeah, they do. They have a Larry Allen on there. Yeah, that 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 one. Yeah, him. I I, I think this could be an interesting game in the trenches, though. It's intriguing, right. man. This is a telling game for for Cornell more so than what they did last week. Last week was impressive. If they do it here versus Harvard. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the last game here. Let's go out west. 
Eastern Washington, they've been one of the more impressive teams so far this season. They're 4-1, and one, uh, coming off a big win over Montana State. Um, they got Southern Utah this week, and is this going to be a trap game with Weber State on the horizon, or is this just going to be another blowout walkover for Eastern Washington Eagles? I don't know, man. That's the thing. Because Southern Utah was a playoff team last year, but they're winless. They're winless, and that's shocking. And the shocking loss of their season was probably to North Alabama. You yeah. Know, and so I think Southern Utah has a chance in this game. Yeah. They are the flying ointment in the big sky this year because of uh, their their ineffective play, but we know they have talent. That's why I, I'm glad you brought it up. Eastern Washington has Weber State coming up. Mm-hmm. This game is sandwiched right in between. Yep. They can't get caught looking in the backfield, so to speak, to use a football reference. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had to, this game earmarked. This is an intriguing matchup for the Thunderbirds. So I, I will say this for Southern Utah. They're probably the worst team in this conference because Northern Colorado is winless too, but they've looked a whole lot better than Southern Utah has this season. Who are you buying more, Southern Utah or Northern Colorado? Northern Colorado. I like They, they have not like – you look at their schedule. Oh, they're 0-5. Look at the scores and look what they've like done in games. They don't give away anything in the, in that team. There's going to be one or two teams that are going to slip up there that Northern Colorado are going to get some they, games on. They got a they got an intriguing game this week themselves. UC Davis. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Before we go, by the way, the weird stat of the day uh, come involved the Northern Colorado Bears against North Dakota. North Dakota won the game 38-13, but no North Dakota player, this is from FCS Stats, no North Dakota player had more than three tackles in wow. that game eight different seven different players had three tackles but nobody <laughs> had more than that how do you do that without putting like your third stringers in well that's just great team defense that is pure team defense is what that is so there's your weird <laughs> set of the day to close things off folks that'll do it for the podcast here we went a little bit long this time but you know what it was worth it and it was quality and you get to listen to our fantastic voices for over an hour as we talk about the FCS. Let's, we're going to talk about more. We're, going, we're almost at the halfway point of the season now, going into week six. Now things start to get interesting. The playoff picture, the clouds start to separate a little bit. We get rid of the fog a little bit. Or are we just going to do for a fog bank and everything gets confused? We're only, only time can tell. Enjoy the games. We'll see you again next week. Emery, where are you going to be next week, speaking of which? Well, Friday I will be at the Dartmouth-Yale game. Mm. Checking out Dartmouth and Yale. Great game. Great game. A lot of pro prospects in that game, quite honestly, especially on Dartmouth's side. Matt Caskey, the offensive lineman, I can't wait to see him play. And then Saturday I have the broadcast for Morgan State, South Carolina State, on ESPN3 Hmm. at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And what's cool about that, it's homecoming for Morgan State. Very nice. And what's interesting about that, I did the game, the homecoming game last year, and it is a blast. Is it? I had to get to the game hours <laughs> before uh, because of the parade that goes on outside the stadium on that main street going into uh, Morgan State's campus. It's a phenomenal atmosphere. Morgan State is now coming. They had a bye week before their homecoming, and they coming off of win over A&T. This homecoming is going to be epic. It's going to be raucous. And South Carolina State, a very winnable ball game. The return of Fred Farrier. Oh. Who was head coach at Morgan State last year? The storylines. Oh my God! It's all kind of storylines. <laughs> just a gumbo of uh, storylines with Old Bates, just to use a 
Baltimore reference. And I was about to say, yeah, you, it's Morgan State. <laughs> They're going to be throwing Old Bay on everything. They'll throw Old Bay on the Old Bay. On oh, the Old Bay, right. So <laughs> I'm excited for that game. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN3, the Watch ESPN app, and locally on television. Check your local listings to see yours truly. Uh, get out there and talk some football for you guys. And hopefully you enjoyed enough crab while you're down there. I That's all I eat when I go to Maryland. Crab. Oh, yeah. Everything. If, if, you don't do any, if you don't eat crab in Maryland, folks, you're doing it wrong. Anyway, folks, that'll do it for the podcast here. 